What is it you want? Real estate. It's the Red Hot Real Estate Show, where we can all find out how's it going for buyers and sellers in the real estate market. I have died and gone to real estate heaven. Looking to move? Hoping to sell? Call in with your questions to real estate expert Mimi Shoneman with Remax Results. I'm going to go out and buy a house. Here she is, your host, Mimi Shoneman. Yes, welcome to the show, Mimi Shoneman, your host of the Red Hot Real Estate Show and super real estate agent from Remax Results is with us. Hey, Mimi. Good morning. Hello, and also, also joining us from Amec Home Loans, Mr. Phil Olson is here as well. Good morning. Hello, and I want to start with this, and I already talked to you about this, Mimi. Uh, we are going into Veterans Day, and so I want to make sure that we tell our good friend Phil Olson, thank you for your service. Thank you. We appreciate it as we go into that. And thank you to all of our veterans that are out there doing the great work that they do. We appreciate all of them. We do. Phil, could you start with your NMLS number for us, please? NMLS 238-103, Branch NMLS 379-094, and Company MLS 1501, excuse me, 953. (laughs) <laughs> Lots of stuff. A lot we gotta of get numbers out of the You're there. right. No, but we are now legal and official. Yeah. So Phil is like, he's like the great white north up in here. <laughs> I walked in and I was blinded suddenly by all the white. <laughs> it's this wild jersey. So there's it's a tad a bit of wild jersey. We got a wild show. show. A wild show. A wild show. <laughs> his white sweatpants. <laughs> his white headphones. I do like it when Phil goes sporty on us. Because this is going to be a wild show. Because we're going to cover maybe a lot we, of information today. Maybe mm-hmm. we need to do another Phil. It looks cute. Oh, we'll do a post. We'll take some pictures okay. before we leave so everybody can make sure that they go to the Red Hot Real Estate page yeah. uh, on Facebook and get a little photo of like Phil looks cute. You know, today. There you go. Exactly. exactly. Well, and we've got lots of good stories today, but one of the stories that is not we were not planning on talking about but came to mind, if you don't mind going off script here. Oh, that's okay. Is remember in the not too distant future when we had a veteran? Yep. You remember the couple? Oh, yes. Yes. And bought a house for less than $700. Do you remember this? I do remember Tell that story. Ooh. Well, that's this story goes back, I think, what, about a year, two years now? No, like this summer. Yeah, it was quick. I remember you guys came in and told me about this. Yep. And uh, they came in, and I think we had them approved for like $200,000. And what ended up happening is they were looking at houses. And they found a really, really cute house at a very, very low price point. What was that price point again? Okay, so you're you're not remembering who I'm talking about. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing my best to okay. remember. Yeah. Phil works with too many people. Right. Well, I, mean, I can't say who it is. That's fair. Yeah, no, so this couple was, uh, they were not married, but they ended up, you told them they needed to get married in oh, order to qualify. Oh, yep, there you go. Now yep. I do remember now that. Now you remember. I do remember and that. he was a veteran. Yeah. And so tell that story now that you know who I'm talking I, about. I remember now. They came into my office and they, were, uh, they weren't married and they wanted to buy a home. And uh, the spouse or girlfriend had more money than he had. And I'm going, folks you're going to lose your half of your VA eligibility, not be able to buy 100% unless you're married. And they looked at me and they go, really? And I go, yeah, because part of being buying a home as a veteran, you have to be married in order to get 100% financing for this home. That's just kind of shady. I just want to tell you, as an adult (laughs) that has kind of decided that after a divorce, maybe I never want to get married again, that would not be good news to me as much as business. Even though I'm in love, I still was like, we need to be loved and not married. I don't know about that. That's 
a hard. Yeah. Well, they were in uh-huh. hard reality. They were in love. They, they were, were in love. love. They hey, got a beautiful I'm not home. Love's not important. And 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 <laughs> we talked anyway, about it. The whole point of the matter is, we got really off topic there. Yeah, we That's did. Sorry. But yeah. they got to buy a house for uh, what, about seven hundred dollars. Is that right? I think it yeah. Was, I think their payment was like seven hundred. No, bucks. I'm talking the whole total dollar amount. Oh, the total. Yes, yes. Because oh I, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. They they had maybe five to seven hundred dollars into the transaction completely. Wow. All right. And that's because they went down to the courthouse and they they, well, they exchanged rings. It and, was also because they got the advice from Phil on what they needed to do to which maximize is to get their full benefit. The yeah. veterans benefit. So if you're a veteran, <laughs> call us. We can maybe get you a really great house for little or no money at all. And, I mean, and put, hopefully I don't have to convince you to get married. Right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and Phil, you were talking that you did want to offer a deal to any of our bits that were out there anyway. Absolutely. I would love to be able from the months of November through December, anybody, any vet that calls me for either a purchase or a refinance, I'm going to pay for your appraisal. Right. And I know that we did just now, we wanted to make sure that we did honor all of our veterans and the service that they've done with that one. And in general, we are not going to do the whole show, though, about our, our veterans that are out there, though. No, we, okay. we just did want to make mention yeah. of it since that is coming up. And right. we appreciate all of our service people out there. But, Phil, you had a, another great story that I think that would resonate with a lot of our listeners. So why don't you start with that? All right. So I had a client that was thinking about getting divorced, but didn't have the funds or income to qualify to finance the house by themselves. Okay. And I see this I see this commonly where people are thinking about getting divorced and they don't do any planning. And then they go to their lawyer and their lawyer says, "Well, do this, this, this and this." And they end up getting divorced and in the divorce decree it normally will state that one party has to buy out the other party. Right. The problem is, is if the party that's being required to refinance the other party out doesn't have the ability to, they get stuck. Right. And basically, it they, it comes down to either that party either has to sell their house or they have to bring a relative on. Now, there's a solution to that. And the solution would be meeting with, with me first, talking with me. And if you've got an amicable situation, right. that's key. It's got to be amicable. I can literally sit down with both parties and say, so what do you guys want? How do we figure it out? How do we position both parties after divorce to be more financially healthy? Right. Because sometimes people get divorces and they're they're carrying a lot of debt. Yes. Okay. And if you're going to part ways, there's no better way to part where both parties are evenly uh contributed or they receive fair compensation, but they're both able to start their new lives healthy versus being burdened. And one thing that sounds good about that, and I know we started with the the, the conversation that it needed to be amicable. This might actually be good, a good tactic if you were trying to uh, consciously dissolve your, your, your marriage, but figure out a way to make it Positive. So if you do have some negative feelings, this might be a way to kind of wash those out. Go, look, maybe we can have a clean slate here. I had another couple, and this was this was six months ago. And they were partners. Mm-hmm. Same situation, okay? And But it wasn't a divorce because they weren't married. Right. But they had been together for a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, there's a guideline in, in Fannie Mae 
and Freddie Mac that says if you can prove that they've been partners for a long period of time and it's a buyout of the other partner, I ended up having to do what's called a cash out refinance. Okay. I had to buy the other partner out for 50000 But the key was it didn't have to be a cash out refinance. I made it into a rate and term refinance because the guideline specifically says is if you have a marriage that's being broken up, Mm-hmm. you can then designate this loan as a rate and term, which allows the consumer to get a much better interest rate. Okay. So define to our listeners what is a rate and term in kind of beginner language. Okay. A rate and term refinance starts with a purchase of a home. Okay. So if I were to purchase a home and I use a first and a second mortgage, let's say it's an 80 10 10 first, 10% second. That way there's no PMI. Okay. But both loans were done simultaneously as a purchase. Okay. I can refinance that first and that second at 90% as long as the consumer's not getting cash back. That would then be considered a rate and term refinance. Now, where were people end up going to where they end up having a cash out refinances. Let's say I do an 80% first. Two years down the road, they take out a home equity loan. Okay. All right. And they use this home equity loan to pay off debt. Now they find out that they want to combine their first and their second into one because they can get a lower interest rate. That now becomes a cash out. Okay. So, or a consumer calls and says, I want to pay off debt. That's a cash out. Okay. Consumer calls and says, I want to do a home renovation. I want to pull 50 grand out, hire my own contractor and fix my home. That becomes a cash out. Okay. People don't understand though, the difference between a rate and a term and a cash out refinance, you're sacrificing about three eighths of a percent in a higher interest rate. Okay. So when we come back, Phil, we'll finish up talking about this this particular type of refi. I think, too, we should explain to maybe our beginner listeners who've never bought a home that may be confused by what you mean by first, second, and uh, HELOC. So mm-hmm. we'll talk about those terms when we come back. All right. We'll also take your calls. The number is 651-641-1071. We'll be right back on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071 and streaming at MyTalk1071.com. I'm Miss Shannon. In with us, of course, Mimi Shoneman from Remax Results and Phil Olson from Amec Home Loans. We've been talking about some really interesting, sometimes scary stories that are going out there in the real estate market. All right, Phil, let's finish up. So we're going to talk about this as if we're doing a first grade career class. Okay. Okay. Somebody that's listening who's never bought a house before and they've never had a consultation with a mortgage person, tell them what a mortgage is and what a first mortgage is. Well, a mortgage basically is an instrument that's held against the home. If we're going to borrow you, say, 96.5%, and that'd be on an FHA deal, and let's say we're going to buy a $200,000 home, so we're going to put seven grand down, all right, you would end up having one loan at ninety-three or $193,000, and that would be a first mortgage. So basically, a mortgage, I'm going to repeat it back, is something that you get from a banker or broker, mm-hmm. that basically a piece of paper that says, I'm going to pay you back. Correct. It's yeah. an IOU that goes against the home. Your name goes against the home on title. And should you default, 
then there's ramifications of a default. So I've never bought a house before and I don't know what you're talking about. And all this sounds like Greek. (laughs) So now you're telling me I get a mortgage, but why in the world would I ever have a second one if I've got one? Okay. Multiple reasons. Some people will not and do not want to pay PMI. So wait, so now we have to back up again. Private mortgage insurance. And that's because they didn't put 20% down. Correct. So So, insurance to insure the bank or the broker that you're not going to default on the loan. Correct. So you got to pay for that stuff. Now, in my opinion, my professional opinion, PMI is actually cheaper than getting a second mortgage. Good to know. Now, some people would say, Phil, I don't agree, which is okay. We can agree to disagree. So I can structure a loan, and let's say we're going to do, it is 95%. They're going to put 5% down. I would then do what's called a 75-20. Okay. Why a 75-20? People don't understand. They always think putting 20% down gets you the best rate. Right. I would structure it as a 75% first with a 10%, excuse me, a 20% second, Mm -hmm. and because... They're putting their own 5% down. Now we don't have PMI. Okay. Now, in that scenario, going back to what you said, uh, Mimi, we would now have a first mortgage. We would now have a second mortgage. The second mortgage gets recorded after the first. Okay. So the first mortgage company, let's just say Wells Fargo, mm-hmm. would be in first position. Okay. Associated Bank does the second mortgage. They would be in second position. If you defaulted on that house. Yes. And let's say they sold the house. You bought it for 200 but the bank sold it for 160 And yes, the bank can do that. Yes. Well, Wells Fargo gets paid first. Okay. All right. So 75% of 200 is 150000 Okay. So they get paid first. Associated Bank, who you owe forty grand to. Well, they only get ten grand. Okay, They're so you ins- may still owe them that money. Correct. You okay. may we're still- going down the rabbit hole of gotcha. approaching short sales. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> like that. A, we might could, have it, to talk about one it, of those. It yeah. could be a short sale. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that is the what do you call that philosophical definition of mortgage? I like that. That is the elementary school level version of getting you in there. So at least you now have the foundation as we're talking about the rest of these throughout the day. You use terms that we use every day, Mm -hmm. and sometimes we don't know who's listening to us and Mm -hmm. and what they've done in their life, and you know, maybe it's somebody that's never heard of this before. And I think a lot of the terms that we're talking about, you may have heard the word mortgage, but you really don't always have someone spell it out to you before you go to get one. You just know, I want to buy a house, so I know I'm going to get a mortgage, but not always knowing what's fully involved with that. And so it can be very daunting once you even get approved, when you get to the signing and the closing and all that stuff, and you, you know, and, and and your mortgage provider is giving you a stack of 30 sheets of paper and you're not sure how to navigate it. And exactly. so it is good to go. At least you know what you're getting yourself into. So the one point I want to make before we go into our topic is that you want to go to a mortgage broker like Phil and because he has a lot of different loan products out there that he can shop and he's not just looking at one. He's looking at 80 or more. Right. And he's got all of the knowledge to fit these puzzles together. So no matter what kind of complicated situation that you have going on in your life, 
He's seen it, been there, done that, and he knows how to figure it out. And if he doesn't, he knows where to go to get the answers. Right, Phil? Exactly. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about self-employment. One of my favorite topics. Because we know that the Twin Cities is very entrepreneurial. Yes. And what are some of the things that self-employed people need to think about to not shoot themselves in the foot? First off, I would tell you, remember the two-year rule, okay? You need to be in your self-employment capacity for a period of two years and two years tax returns. Now, that being said, there is a program that would allow for a one-year, but more than likely 99% of people don't qualify for it. Let's talk about that. So the 1% of the population of self-employed folks that would qualify, what are they doing right that makes them eligible? Well, those folks are taking, it is a very exotic type of loan product with a much, much higher interest rate, which with a much, much larger down payment. Because there are basically what I would consider, I call them like a scratch and dent mortgage company. They portfolio the loan. They'll do a mortgage for a consumer, but it's not a Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Ginny Mae, FHA product. It's not a VA product. It's their own product. Those folks, if you're if you're going to go with a program like that, expect a three or five one adjustable rate mortgage, okay. meaning it'll only be fixed for three to five years. Understand your interest rate is going to be in the sevens or the eights. Versus are, what else is going on? Wait, versus right now how about 3.75? So Yeah. Yeah. So that person basically gets into that product with the understanding that I'm going to refinance out of this product a year from now because under Minnesota law, there's no such thing as a prepayment penalty. Okay. I do very few of these loans. Very, very few. I, I don't like them. There's a reason. The reason is, is we're projecting that you're going to refinance in a year or two years. I can't promise you that. Okay. Most lenders will. Mm. They'll just say, we'll refinance you a year from now, two years from now. But what happens if your situation changes? Yeah, that's what we've talked about. It's, you know, people will say, well, what do you think is going to happen in six months from now? I'm like... I might be 10 pounds heavier. I don't know. <laughs> I, I might be that. 10 pounds lighter. I don't you know. know. So, right. you know, how do you how do you predict the future? You can't. You just can go off of what you know today. Yeah. So and, it and then, seems uh, like as an independent contractor, and this is a conversation that you and I have had, Phil, that mm-hmm. it does make sense to get there and go, I'm planning for two years down the road. And then to find the right kind of advice and professional that can help counsel you as you go through that. Like one of the discussions we even had was, okay, you... I, I technically added another layer onto my self-employment, but even determining how to list that on my taxes so it didn't look like I had a new job. It was the same kind of employment. Mm-hmm. And going, how do you work this into the mix so it doesn't mess up your ability to get a mortgage down the road as a self-employed person? I have talked with a lot of self-employed people, even people that are thinking about getting into self-employment, and I will tell them, <laughs> The key in doing this is understanding your revenue streams, understanding your taxation, Mm -hmm. understanding how you're going to do your taxes. Because you could have, you could be making a hundred thousand dollars a year in self-employment 
And then you go to, it is Willie's tax service. Yes. Okay. And Willie says, well, you can take this right off, this right off, this right off. And oh, by the way, by the time you get done, you're only having revenue of 20000 And you, and you think pay, that's great. And you yeah. think that's great. <laughs> and you go, and I'm getting back a check for 3000 Right. I look at that document and you say, you made 100000 but I look at your bottom line, you made twenty. Now, what are we going to afford on twenty thousand right, dollars so a year? It looks like I made no money, which you it, it, and that's uh, that's real talk as an independent contractor is that you have to make these decisions of going, okay, am I going to pay my taxes, or am I going to take this discount and then mm-hmm. not be able to buy a house? I recently had mm-hmm. a client that was a W two techie was making one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, and I had him completely approved, and he was going to buy like a three to four hundred thousand dollar home, and then he calls me after about four months being approved, and he goes, Phil, hey, I just wanted to let you know, I took this new job with this new company as a contractor, and now I'm making $200,000 a year. My words out of my mouth was, can you get your old job back? Because guess what? You went from a W-2 salary job to a 1099, which now means you have to wait two Two years years. before you're approved. And a lot of people that are self-employed don't understand, well, okay, I own ABC Tiling Company, and guess what? It isn't doing so well, so I'm going to change the name to DEF Tiling. Well, guess what? Your two-year period starts over again. Just because of a name change. Right. It's a new business. It's a new business. I learned a lot when I was talking to Phil. Because yeah. like, you, you know? guys know that we like the discussion. Like, Mimi, you remember when I went to go to auctioneer school? I'm like, yeah, but I am not now. If I, I am a person who can do auctioneering. I am not an auctioneer. Because then everything starts all over again. Mm-hmm. And the work we did for the last year was a waste. So mm-hmm. I'm like, no. I am still the thing that I was. <laughs> That's yeah. good to know, Phil. Now, another example of self-employment is you're working for your father. And he owns ABC Tiling. And... The father comes to you and says, I'd like to make you a partner. Oh, okay. And I'd like to make you a partner 25%. Well, now I need tax returns. If you're more than a 25%, and guess what? If the business is losing money now, instead of that income that he was paying you on a salary, now I have to take the loss against your salary income. Well, I think when we come back from the break, we'll continue talking a little bit more about the things that entrepreneurs need to look out for. Perfect. And we'll also take your calls. Remember, welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on MyTalk 1071. Also streaming on MyTalk1071.com. I'm Ms. Shannon. Mimi Shonen is here. Phil Olson from Amec Home Loans as well. And there's lots of things going on on our website all the time. Right? Yeah, we've mm-hmm. got some really great links posted as we always do. Be sure and check those out on MyTalk 1071. And our keyword here for the show is Red Hot. And we encourage you to go ahead and download the the things to think about when you're considering buying or selling guides. They're updated quarterly and we've got the links posted there where you can get to them just at your convenience. And also we encourage you to shop for real estate at viewgreaterminneapolishomes.com. That's a wonderful shopping site and you can actually schedule appointments. You can uh, do virtual tours. You can chat with us, all kinds of good stuff. So be sure and check those out. It's always good to look at those kind of things because if you need a little like a pick me up to encourage yourself to start the process and maybe get some of these things done and go to reframe your brain from I can't to I can, that's a good way. You can sit there and start the process of dreaming and, and, and imagining and then go, okay, maybe I feel like a little invigorated to start this. Yeah, a little window shopping. Mm-hmm. Never hurt anybody. Right. 
So, Phil, let's talk a little bit more. Let's finish up talking about what self-employed folks need to think about. I mean, you're kind of like a, a well of information, right? So every Definitely. time I come to the show, it's like he opens up the can and <laughs> out pops a new fact. Right. You know, well, I have a passion for what I do, guys. Mm-hmm. And I have a passion for my clients. And there's there's just a mirage of rules and regulations out there. And if you're not working with a true professional that understands their craft inside and out, like I do, you can get yourself in a lot of problems or your plans can be flushed down the toilet, so to to speak. So getting back to, here's another one that people don't think about as being self-employed. Well, they don't have a personal account, but they have a business account, and they've got $50,000 in their business account, and then they come to me and they want to buy a house. Okay. Well, guess what? You, you're not supposed to be using business assets to be buying a home, because let's say you want to put $40,000 down, but we're now going to take 40000 out of your business account. How does that affect your business long term? Okay. Does that now make your business not as viable? Are you not going to be able to buy inventory because you've depleted your business assets? So what I tell people that are self-employed, if we're going to use business assets, we need to move those funds to a personal account at least 60 days prior to purchasing. Okay. Understand seasoning rules. Seasoning rules of funds to the table is always 60 days. Okay. So if I move my funds from my business account to my checking account and I buy 90 days from now, those funds are your funds. Okay. They're considered personal funds. Now we're not having to get a CPA letter that says, Oh, by the way, if we take 40000 out of the business, and I've actually had CPAs write the letter that says, no, if my client does that, they're not going to be able to pay their bills. Fair enough. People don't think about those types of things. Mm-hmm. I'll go with one other thing is for those that are an entrepreneur, a sole proprietor, an LLC, all right, there's only one area on your tax form that's an add back to income, and that's depreciation. Okay. So guess what? It's real simple to figure out what a self-employed business owner's qualifying gross income is for the year. You take the bottom line number, add back the depreciation, but like you and I were talking, Ms. Shannon, right. with what you do in your business, you have nothing to depreciate. No. But let's say we're, I'm talking with ABC uh winter rem- snow Lawn removal care, snow lo- removal service yeah well they they might have tons of equipment trucks whatever now there's depreciation on that and that's an add back to income right so what i tell all self-employed borrowers is if you're thinking about buying talk to me sooner rather than later and like i talked with you miss shannon i said before you file your taxes Send me a copy of the taxes. Tell your tax accountant not to press the button to the IRS. Let me take a look at it and say, okay, here's your income. Now, guess what? You're taking all these write-offs. Do you have to take these write-offs? Right. People don't understand. The tax code doesn't require you as a consumer to take the tax write-off. Should you take the tax write-off? Yes, you're going to pay Uncle Sam less. Mm -hmm. But if you're wanting to buy a home, just understand you're now degrading or reducing your total gross income to qualify. So it's a choice. Mm -hmm. You want to buy a house or you want to pay less to IRS? Right. 
Well, it's a great topic. And so if any of our listeners are out there and they know of people who are self-employed that are thinking about being self-employed, they should maybe give Phil a call before they do any changes so that uh, they can do some proper planning because Phil is the puzzle solver. Right. (laughs) Puzzle maker. How do they get a hold of you, Phil? They can reach me at 651-238-6748, or they can email me at phil at callphilolson.com. Now, the other thing I think we're going to talk about today is that we all are independent contractors or we work for a business, but I think that we are all trying to, again, eventually get to the point where we get to retire. Right. And then that's another one of those transitions in life that it probably makes sense for you to start looking at your uh, real estate professional and your mortgage professional before you start making any big changes as you're moving towards retirement. Mm -hmm. I think it's fascinating the things that people need to do and think about while they're still earning a good living. You know, because let's talk about that. The changes when you actually go from a W-2 employee, you got two incomes coming into your household and then all of a sudden one of you retires and then then you're getting Social Security or something or Mm -hmm. your retirement pension. Or how about your tax accountant or your financial planner says you should hold off on getting your Social Security until you're 70. All right. Well, that's less income. All right. And, and people frequently when they're when they're buying homes, here's what's happens. They're driving down the street and all of a sudden they go, oh, my gosh, that house is on the lake is for sale. Oh, my gosh, that's the house I've always wanted. Prior to them, you know, making that purchase, they should be thinking and planning. What is my income going to look like after retirement? And if you're going to Think if you're even thinking about buying a home or you want to do a cash out refinance, you want to buy land or whatever the case may be, I definitely recommend you talk with me or talk with somebody you know who's who understands your craft inside and out and plan the transaction right. out and ask yourself the question, what does it look like now or what will it look like after retirement? And what are the hoops I'm going to have to jump through in retirement? I just had a lady, not but about two years ago, she was only taking a $1,000 a month out of her 401k. She retired, okay? But yet she wanted to buy a home and she had $1.5 million in her 401k. I literally had to restructure and help her restructure her 401k retirement, be it the income that she was receiving was not enough to qualify. She had to partner with her financial planner. We had to change her allotment of funds being received to $3,500 a month. Right. And oh, by the way, we had to wait 90 days because we had to show three payments of the new retirement income hitting her account. Now, had she done this prior or talked to me prior, we would have probably maybe figured out a different way right. or we would have restructured or I would have talked with the financial planner, which I do frequently. And I'll, I'll meet with clients, their financial planner, their accountant and myself all in one office at one time right. to come up with an overall financial strategy that's going to be successful for them. Yeah. So you told a story not too long ago to me, and I don't know if you can recall it, but a woman was maybe five years out and she was going to wait to do any sort of purchasing before until she actually retired. Do you Mm -hmm. remember that? 
I think I remember it a little bit. I've, I've ran across this scenario multiple times. Well, let's talk about that type of an example. So you're you're five years away from retiring. Let's just say that mm-hmm. you're 60. Okay. And you've got a good job and you've got, you know, everything. You're, you've got all your ducks in a row. You've been a smart saver. Um, your credit is good, all that kind of stuff. But now you're thinking, okay, what's my next step? What do you what do you encourage people to do and not do to make sure that they're set up for success? My first step would would be to partner with that client and ask the following question. Have you met with a financial planner? And sometimes they say, no, I have my money is with my 401k. Well, how, how do we know what the 401k really looks like? Right. OK, how, how much money is that going to pay you? Um how much Social Security, I'll ask people, have you received your yearly Social Security statement, looked at it to understand how much money you can expect to be getting back in Social Security? Because the question is, I'm making $15,000 a month now, but when I go into retirement, my Social Security is only two grand, and I only plan on taking two grand out of my 401k because I want it to last until I'm 85. Right. Well, hold one here. You're telling me you want to buy a $400,000 home, but your income is going to be 4000 Difficult. Or yes. guess what? They're thinking about selling that condo here in Minneapolis, and they want to go. They've always wanted to have that house on the lake, mm-hmm. okay, to enjoy the sunsets at night. It all comes back to prior planning will prevent a poor performance. Unfortunately, people's lives move really, really fast, and people, people all of a sudden think of this grandiose idea and they want to implement it immediately immediately mm-hmm. and that's where the problems arise well i think phil when we come back i think talk, let's talk a little bit about how folks can take a cash out refinance to a fix their house up to sell and b purchase another house that they want to move to Perfect. Perfect. We'll also take your calls. The number again is 651-641-1071. We'll be right back on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071 and streaming at MyTalk1071.com. Mimi Shoneman from Remax Results. Also, Phil Olson from Amec Home Loans are here today talking about a lot of different things. And now we're kind of easing you into some decisions that you can make as you are deciding how your retirement might look. Yeah. And I'm in between the break, Phil says to me, he says, Oh, yeah. Merry Christmas. I'm like, what? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> we haven't even gotten to Thanksgiving. I've hardly got the pumpkins gone. What do you mean by Merry Christmas, Phil? Well, believe it or not, I'm doing lots of refinances that are closing in the first or second week of December. Right. And believe it or not, that if you were to call me and we closed your loan, say, December 15th, you would have no mortgage payment in December, no mortgage payment in January. All right. Your first mortgage payment would be due on February 1. And oh, by the way, if you've got like $2,000 in your old escrow account, because we'll establish a new one, you'd get another check back for about $2,000. So there's Merry Christmas. That would be a Merry Christmas. That's better than those commercials where you walk outside and there's a car in the garage. I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather have a, a, a garage, like yeah. a new, a new exactly. house with a new garage. Yeah, right. That comes later. All right, so what do you want to know about a cash out refi? I think that it's an excellent strategy for folks out there that have got some improvement things that are keeping their house from selling for top dollar like their neighbors did. So they say to me, yeah, but my neighbor sold for, let's just say, three fifty, and But my kitchen hasn't been updated since the beginning of time. My bathrooms are, are you know, all kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got 
carpet that I can't afford to replace. I need to paint. I know that, but I don't have the money to do it. How can a cash out refi help those folks? Okay. So you just listed some of the things. Why doesn't your house sell? Deferred maintenance, overpriced, decorated in non-conforming fashion. Maybe you've got bad sewer or well, you got peeling chip paint, rotting wood. Uh, those are all reasons why the house won't sell. Right. All right. Those are all the same reasons why a consumer is not going to buy your house. But guess what? If your house will pass a home inspection, be it an appraisal, and you've got a huge equity position, and what do we talk? What what is equity again? All right, your house is worth three hundred thousand. Mimi comes out, does a CMA, says, "Hey, if we fix up the house, it's worth three hundred thousand." And you owe a hundred and eighty thousand. And let's say you're saying, "But Mimi, I don't have twenty thousand dollars to fix up the house." Fine, you call me. I do a cash out refinance. I get pull the cash out of your home so you can fix your house. You fix your house, and instead of Mimi saying, "You want to know something? I could get your house sold for two forty." Guess what? You come to me. I give you twenty grand. You hire your own contractors. You get your house fixed, and next thing you know, a month later, two months later, Mimi's listing your house for three hundred thousand. Now hold one here. It cost you twenty. She said it was two forty, but she could get you three hundred. So, in other words, if if I you give me twenty grand, that's I'm going to take from you for the cash out refinance. Mimi's going to give you sixty thousand dollars more. Hold one here. That's a one to three proposition. Right. I, I like that so you're ratio. talking math again. Yeah, exactly. Oh, but this is exactly why we keep him around. This but is I what like you my need. Math. Right. Is that all we right. need? I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a lady who is, I have all the words and less of the numbers. Yeah. So I need a guy like I, Phil to I've give me all these numbers. Money. I appreciate it. Yes. I've tripled my money. I'm going to give you 20 grand out of your home equity. You fix up your house. Guess what? You're going to get more buyers. You're going to have multiple offers. Your, your house, people are going to walk through it going, oh my gosh, instead of the following. Oh, well, I got a call from my real estate agent. They think it's overpriced. And oh, by the way, it's got all these things wrong with it. And that sounds like so much work. Yeah. And you did like, all the work for me. You figured out the math and then told me to hire somebody. I can do that part of things. Yes. Yes. Guess what? Mimi can help you do that. Oh, wonderful. Okay? See? All right. I mean, she will walk through a house and she does such a fabulous job telling people the things to do and not to do. And oh, by the way, folks. Don't go dumping $50,000 into your basement, and guess what? You're going to get a whole $20,000 back. Right. People don't understand there's things to do to a home and things not to do to a home. Exactly. So let's just take that scenario, that same person who's decided they're going to cash out and do that. They fix the house up. We we sell it. Now they've got all of this money. They need to come to you, and, and you're going to help them how? Well, basically, what we're talking about is they would apply with me online, if that's what you're talking about, Mimi. I'll walk them through all the different scenarios. I'll listen to what their expectations are. I'll find out if it's achievable. And guess what? I can do that work in less than 24 hours time frame. And then I will actually put together a proposal for them. And then it's really it's up to the consumer because I'm not pushy. I'm going to present you. It is options products that will solve your issue and then ultimately it's up to the consumer to make a decision if they want to move forward or not well let's talk about the the option of possibly buying a duplex 
Okay. Okay. So a lot of times I think first time home buyers, for me personally, I think that's an amazing strategy. And right now here in the Twin Cities, we've got 68, 68 in the Twin Cities between 200 and 350 duplexes up and down. Got so, a great story. Just closed a loan here okay. in, the, in the last 10 days. Young, young kid, 26 years old, bought his first house. Bought a duplex in St. Paul for $186,000. He's rented, one side of the duplex is already rented out for $1,250 a month. And guess what his total mortgage payment is? It's $1,400. What does that mean? Wow. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? He's literally, instead of paying rent of $900 a month, his rent now is $150, but he owns both sides and this is a side by side idea. Side by side duplex. It is my favorite strategy. Mm-hmm. And you want to know something for all those people that have just graduated from college and they're paying those student loans, there is a great property for them to be able to buy because you can use the income off of the other property as long as it's leased out. Let's talk about down payment assistance options. Are there any available that would qualify for a uh, duplex? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you, Minnesota Housing has two programs that go either from $8,000 to $15,000. And as long as your income for a single person isn't greater than, I believe it's $68,000 annually, uh, there's that great opportunity where they can buy that duplex and it's going to be probably between 180 and 250. Right. They're going to, they're going to get cash flow. They're going to be receiving rent somewhere between 1100 and 1500 a month. But guess what? I tell you, your mortgage payments 1800. Your renter's paying you 1400. Holy smokes. Right. My mortgage payment's $400 a month. And they get depreciation on the building, which they never got before. How about the equity as they pay their monthly payment every month? They're saving because people need to understand their home is like a savings account. Every month you make a payment, your principal balance drops down. And let's just say it's dropping $400 a month. Well, in 12 months time, that's 4,800. Let's, let's just round it up five grand. I'm making five grand a month saving in my home. And you're putting Mm -hmm. all the money that you're saving into a slush fund because here's what I love about that strategy is you can actually do it on down payment assistance and possibly even use FHA with three and a half percent down. You just live in the one half for one year, right, Phil? Yeah. One year is all you have to live there. Then you can rent that side out. And then what can they do? What are their options? Well, then what their options are is dependent on what their financial situation is and their asset situation. Understand, when you start getting into, and I call it REOs, real estate owned. Okay. Okay. Once you start getting into multiple properties, it becomes more difficult to qualify because people don't understand that for every real estate owned property, you have to have six months reserves. Okay. Now, what are six months reserves? That's PITI, principal interest taxes and insurance, to include association fee as well. Fair enough. So you take that dollar amount, multiply it times six, and let's just say it's eight grand. Well, guess what? I've got four rental properties. Well, that's $32,000 I have to have in reserve. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to buy another rental property. Well, that's another twenty to twenty five percent. So could could they theoretically, after they've served their one year on the on the half, 
Could they then turn around and buy another duplex on FHA? I I would tell you, under that scenario, you've got to be really careful. Okay. okay. Well, because if you're thinking about buying an investment property or any type of property at all, we encourage you to give us a call during the week at 651-578-2218 and visit mnredhotrealestate.com. And Phil, remind everybody how to find you. Well, guess what? They can go to my website at www.callphilolson or give me a call at 651-238-6748. You can always find this episode and previous episodes on our website, mytalk1071.com, keyword red hot. Welcome to Mile 12002. Your dog just locked you out on a cross-country road trip. Fortunately, your Tucson comes with available Hyundai digital key. So your compatible smartphone is all you need to get back on the road. When it comes to smooth sailing, we're thinking of every mile. The new Hyundai Tucson. It's your journey. Test drive the new Tucson at your nearest Hyundai dealer or learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Paying bills on time? Oh yeah. Not maxing out credit cards? That's what I'm talking about. Learning what credit utilization is? Yes, give yourself credit. You can reach some pretty big goals like home ownership by taking small steps like those to build up your credit. Get started by leveling up your credit knowledge at FannieMae.com slash credit education. That's FannieMae.com slash credit education. Home ownership, here you come. Hey.